It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 25th. We're live. We're ready to go. Welcome to the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you tonight. Look forward to our Bible study. Good to be with you, and we're glad that you've taken time to join us on this Thursday evening as we go to God's Word and we study it on the virtual Bible study tonight. If you'd like to participate in the program tonight, the number to call is 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. Or you can use your email and contact us over email tonight by sending a question or comment to questions at collegeview.com. We look forward to your participation in the program tonight. We're going to review the things we talked about on the program last week, Dad. It'll be a little bit of a review and analysis. We had Shirley Phelps Roper from the Westboro Baptist Church on last week. If any of our listeners missed that program last week, we'd encourage them to go out and check out our archives. You can do so at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. Check out the archives if you missed the program last week, or you can podcast all of our virtual Bible studies if you miss any of the of our programs. Last week we had Shirley Phelps Roper on, Dad, and uh, hopefully we have some people listening tonight who heard that program and want to comment on some of the things she said. She made some outrageous statements. We want to compare them with what the Bible said tonight. Yeah, Jacob, last week we interviewed uh, Miss Shirley Phelps Roker, Roper for about 30 minutes, and then for the, the, the final 30 minutes of the program we had numerous phone calls and a lot of emails that we didn't get to. Uh, people were really... Uh, 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 I don't know what the right word to use. You, Jacob, uh, they were really, I think, startled and amazed at some of the things that the woman said. Uh, for those who are listening who are not familiar with that name, this Shirley Phelps Roper and the Westboro Baptist Church, they're the ones who are going around and demonstrating at the funeral at the funerals of soldiers who've been killed in Afghanistan and Iraq. They hold up signs that say, God hates America, thank God for dead soldiers, uh, thank God for 9-11, thank God for Katrina. She believes that, uh, she and that group, they believe that God is bringing his judgment down upon America. And she, we, we questioned her about her biblical point of view that leads them to approach these things the way they did. And, Jacob, what we found out was that she is a true Calvinist in every sense of the word. Yeah, you know, we believe that she's taking Calvinism to its logical conclusion. She says that God hates homosexuals. In fact, God hated the homosexual before they became homosexuals, that God actually made homosexuals the way they are. Actually, and and as we talked to her last week, Jacob, that's the, that's the big sin of America in, in her view that homosexuality in particular is the sin that God hates, and because America and American culture has become accommodative of homosexuality, there are a lot of homosexuals and there are a lot of what she calls homosexual enablers, and therefore these are the last of the last days of America. God is sending his wrath upon America. Well, let's go to the phones to start thing off, and uh, let's go down to Fayetteville, Tennessee, and welcome Jeff to the program. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Hi, Jacob. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for calling tonight. Uh, first of all, I wanted to thank you guys for demonstrating uh, great patience and kindness with the uh, 
this lady as she seemed like she was trying to dominate your program and misusing the scriptures at the same time. But her comment was she felt compelled to preach the gospel to the dogs. And it is true that we're to try to persuade men, but Jesus specifically prohibited us in Matthew 7 and verse 6 to give that which is holy unto the dogs. And that's who she said she was preaching to. That's an interesting point, uh, Jeff. Uh, if if her viewpoint is true, that these people are dogs, they're condemned to hell, they couldn't be saved if they wanted to be saved, uh, then Jesus there, I hadn't even thought about that verse, but you're exactly right. Jesus said, don't, don't give uh, that which is holy to the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you, Matthew 7, verse 6. So she, I don't know if anyone, I wish we'd have brought that to her attention yeah. last week because it actually indicates that she's doing the wrong thing. Yes, she knows beyond on a shadow of a doubt, it's her firm conviction that they were indeed dogs. So she's, and that's who she seems to focus all her attention on in her efforts to hold her signs and to protest and so on and so forth. It's to the dogs, she said. That's a really good point, Jeff. I appreciate you thinking of that. Uh, uh, if I ever have a chance to talk to her again, I'm going to bring that to her attention. Okay. You all keep up the great work. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks yeah, for calling. Bye-bye now. The number to call is 931-381-4567 or email us your thoughts to questions at collegeview.com as we review the things we talked about on the program last week with Shirley Phelps Roper from the Westboro Baptist Church. What do you think about their approach? What do you think about their view of Calvinism? Again, we want to reiterate, Dad, that we believe that uh, their approach is the logical conclusion, logical extension of the doctrine of Calvinism, where God has chosen everybody to be saved or be lost. God's already determined that, and therefore God really hates people, and he's a wicked God. He's created all this sin in the world, and he's created all these wicked people. That's the kind of God that that, that Calvinism paints. Well, I think this is the point I'd like to really, if, if we don't get any other point across, this woman is a Calvinist. Now, there are a lot of people who believe the notions of Calvinism who would not go to the same extreme that Shirley Phelps Roper goes to, but she is a Calvinist who takes it to its furthest extension. Uh, Jacob, we've got a couple of clips from her in which she acknowledges her belief in the basic tenets of Calvinism, especially clip 10, where she uh, admits to believing in unconditional election. All right. I'm of the opinion, hearing what you said, that your approach to homosexuality is due to your Calvinistic view of unconditional election. Would that be a fair statement? Unconditional election? Well, absolutely. And so they're going to be saved or they're not going to be saved, but it says by the foolishness of preaching they're saved. All right, so there you go. Uh, she said that uh, they're going to be saved or they're not going to be saved. God's already chosen that. That's what unconditional election teaches. And so, therefore, Shirley Phelps Roper, she's logical, Dad. She accepts the fact that whatever she does isn't going to change the fact that God's already chosen them to be lost or to be saved. And then on 13A, Jacob, she admits to believing in limited atonement. All right, here we go. Unconditional election is matched in the in the uh, theology of Calvinism with limited atonement. Do you believe yes. that Jesus died for all men? No heavens, no. How could you say that? All right, okay, absolutely so the, not. So there we have her on record. She believes in Calvinism, and two of the five tenets of Calvinism are unlimited, uh, excuse me, uh, unconditional election and limited atonement. And she says she believes them both and admits that that's what leads her to do what she does. Now think about that. If, if, if those things were true, in other words, everybody is predestined, foreordained either to salvation or damnation, then there wouldn't be any reason to try and convert people. 
your efforts would be fruitless. If they're going to be saved, they're going to be saved anyway. If they're going to be lost, they're going to be lost anyway. You couldn't change it if you wanted to, and they couldn't either. Jesus didn't even die for those who are lost. He only died for those who are among the elect. And so her approach then would be logical based upon those positions. So if we believe in the doctrine of unconditional election or limited atonement, it would be our job then to go out to the streets and tell people that God hates them and that there's nothing they can do. They're going straight to hell. Well, that would be, and I think that's the logical extent to which she takes it. In fact, Jacob, we ask her the question, should everybody who believes in Calvinism, and we don't believe in Calvinism, but should everybody who believes in Calvinism do as she does? In other words, would it, they're the only ones, they're a small Baptist church in Topeka, Kansas. Why aren't all Baptist churches who believe in Calvinism, why aren't all the denominationalists who believe in Calvinism doing the same thing? We ask her that, Jacob, clip 14. Clip 14. We've got a number of people, no doubt, listening who do believe in Calvinism, but would not do as you do. Would you, would you tell them, and this, this will be my last question to you, would you tell others who believe in Calvinism, we don't, but others who do, would you tell them that they ought to be approaching their business in the same way that you are? I'm going to tell every person listening that if you call yourself a servant of God, and you see that his wrath is pouring out on this nation every day in every way, and you remain silent. That is, you are not out on these streets warning your fellow man, fulfilling the royal law. That is, to love your neighbor as yourself, which is described in Leviticus 19, verses 17 and 18, as if you do not warn them that their sin has taken them to hell, then you hate your neighbor in your heart. If you're not doing that at this hour, you are in a lot of trouble. You do not have any business calling yourself a servant of God, a Christian, or anything like that. All right, now, I have to agree with her that we do need to be warning people, but I can't understand why you would warn somebody that God's already sent to hell. Why warn them? I guess maybe we just should uh, give them a travel brochure, tell them where they're going, that there's nothing they can do about it. They're already on the boat. You know, why would she want to warn them if she believes God's already... She basically said, if you call yourself a servant of God or a Christian and you're not doing what she does, then you're in big trouble. So she basically said she believes that all who believe what she believes concerning unconditional election and limited atonement should be doing what she does. That's right. We got an email last week that we didn't get to, and we're going to be reading several these through the program. Jacob Terry in Fairview, Tennessee, wrote and said, Just to clarify, Ms. Phelps Roper said that any Calvinist who is not teaching the gospel as she is doing is not truly saved and therefore is not a part of the elect. Is that what you understood? That's what I understood. That's what the clip we just played seems to indicate that. I think Terry picked up on that as we did. Uh, also got an email from... Well, someone that didn't give a name here and says, gentlemen, please do not blame Calvinism for Miss Roper's ravings and twisting of scriptures. I know many Calvinists and they do not act like this woman. This Westboro cult would condemn the average Calvinist to hell. One of my, well, then she gives a quote, uh, from the scripture, 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25. Um, Think about this. This this emailer says we should not blame Calvinism for what Miss Roper's doing. Miss Roper says it's because she believes in Calvinism is why she's doing it. And and if if we should not say that this is a logical extension of Calvinism, the logical conclusion of that, if we have people who believe in the doctrine of Calvinism tonight, tell us why the Ropers are wrong. Tell us why or the Phelpses are wrong. Why is the Westboro Baptist Church wrong? I haven't heard an explanation of that, Dad, and uh, I'd like to hear that. Because what they're saying is a logical conclusion. If God hates these people, he determined before the world began 
that John Smith is going to be a homosexual and I'm going to send him to hell and uh, that's nothing. there's nothing he can do about that, then why are the Felpers wrong? Why is their approach wrong? I think it's the logical conclusion. Yeah, so we would love to have somebody who believes in Calvinism tonight to either call us or send us an email and tell us why that this uh, is wrong. What she's saying is wrong. What she's doing is wrong. Uh, to us, it seems, although we totally disagree, it seems at least to be the logical conclusion of the position that she holds. If you hold her same position, why don't you go to the same extent? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. What do you think? Let us know. Give us a call at 931-381-4567. We'd love to hear from you on the phones. We'd love to take an email from you. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. This is a listener interactive program. If you agree with us, we want to hear from you. If you disagree with us, we want to hear from you as well. Let us know at 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Um, Jacob, several uh, wrote emails last week to ask why even bother why go to this you know you got to admit this group is going to some extreme lengths to get their message out i mean she says they're on the street every day and have been doing this on the order of what 20 years what she say 16 or 20 years I forget what she yeah, said 16 years i believe 16 years and uh you know why bother if if people are either going to be saved or going to be lost in an unconditional way and they don't have any thing to do about that or no control over the outcome of their lives why preach to them Uh, for instance uh jim from mount pleasant tennessee says if she does not want the homosexual to repent then why did paul preach to those in corinth about doing such about repenting we brought up first corinthians 6 to her in the course of the question uh another email she believes that one is saved or refused by their very birth then why preach the gospel that question came up a lot. Uh, Don uh, wrote, uh, is there any scriptural evidence that Jesus was a political activist? In other words, they, he sees their actions as political activity, but they're certainly active in what they're doing. Tyler from Jennings, Florida wrote, I want to ask her a quick question. Uh, if all the homosexuals are sinners and going to hell anyway, why make the huge effort to warn the inevitable if there's nothing they can do to change it? Um, Joe G wrote, she quoted Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Did she understand that scripture? That's the one we often refer to as the great commission. It says, go and make disciples. She doesn't seem like she's going out to make disciples. She's a hate monger. It seems to me, um, James in Bellevue, Indiana, uh, Belleville, Indiana wrote, um, some have spoke about how inconsistent the woman was, of all the things false teachers have been accused of, being consistent is not one of them. Uh, Mark in Murfreesboro, Tennessee wrote, Does she view the sin of homosexuality so much worse than other sins? Adultery, murder? And that would be the reason why God would bring wrath upon this country? Why focus on these particular sinners more so than others, since adultery and fornication and many other sins are so rampant in the world? Um all of those I, I take be along the same line. Why is she doing what she's doing if she believes what she believes? And I think that's a question worth investigating. All right, let's take a break. And when we get back, we want to take a call or an email from you at 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Let us know your thoughts. Jump in on the program now. Stay tuned to Virtual Bible Study. We'll be back right after this. So the homosexual then is a homosexual because God wants him to be a homosexual. Exactly. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. 
Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. <laughs> and then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. <laughs> and at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study. We're glad you're a part of it tonight, and we want to hear from you. What do you think about what we're talking about, about the doctrine of Calvinism especially? What do you think about what Mrs. Phelps Roper said on the virtual Bible study last week? We want to hear from you at 931-381-4567 or email questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, we have a couple sound bites from what she said last week. We asked basically this question why preach to people if then if there's no chance of changing their eternal destiny clip 11 jacob she she responded to that whether you preached to them or not they would either be saved or lost so why why make the effort because i've already answered that because we're told repeatedly he said go into all the world and preach the gospel it says by the foolishness of preaching they're saved and how are you going to here preaching unless someone is doing the preaching. Okay. So she basically said, you know, it's just our job to preach. We do it because we're told to preach. We do it because we've been given that assignment. Well, but then you have to to line that up with what she says about the fact that they're trying to warn people. So why warn people that are going to go to hell and there's nothing they can do about it? I see a contradiction there. Well, we'll play clip 12, Jacob, in which she mentions the fact that they at least they'll know what's coming. Look, once these people hear these words and they don't repent and they don't uh, serve God with all their heart, soul, might, and mind, when they stand before God the day of judgment, they're going to have to explain that. You did know my word because I had my servants stand on your streets telling you. All right, here's the contradiction. When they stand before God on the day of judgment, they will not have the excuse that uh, I didn't know the word of God. They'll have the excuse, God, you sent me to hell. I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, did you notice the contradiction in her own in her own story there where she said if they hear this and don't repent, they can't repent. They don't have the capacity to repent. God hasn't granted them repentance. God hasn't chosen them for salvation. So she's she's crossed herself up with her. Play that again right there, Jacob, 14. Look, once these people hear these words and they don't repent and they don't uh, serve God with all their heart, soul, might, and mind, when they stand before God the day of judgment, they're going to have to explain that. You did know my word because I had my servants stand on your streets telling you. And I have to agree with what she said right there. If we don't obey, we'll have to stand before God and say and explain why we didn't obey. But if you believe it like the Calvinists believe it and like the Ropers, or the Phelps believe it, you'd have to stand before God and say, God, I couldn't do anything about it. You didn't want to save me, and so I'm lost and I couldn't do anything about it. So why don't you ask? Why don't you ask yourself the question, God? Why am I going to go to hell? Yeah, exactly right. See, that 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 really shows the self-contradictory nature of her position. 
Um, we've got an email tonight. This is a current email from Mike here in Columbia. Mike writes, uh, John Calvin's teaching, and he gives us the dates in which John Calvin lived. John Calvin lived from 1509 to 1564. His teachings are sometimes referred to as doctrines of grace, and they are a summary of canons rendered by the Synod of Dord, held in Doric, South Holland, in 1618 and 19. The second of the five points of the doctrines of grace is unconditional election, which means, quote, the condition upon which salvation hinges is graciously given to those whom God has unconditionally chosen to receive it. Mike cites as his source here, the Wikipedia Encyclopedia. Now, here's Mike's comment. He says, however, Romans 2, verses 9 through 11, teaches that there's no partiality with God. Uh, therefore, God does not give faith to those whom he has unconditionally chosen to receive it. And I think Mike is exactly right. The, the, the notion of unconditional election is just not in the Bible. Absolutely not. What do you think? Let us know. 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. You know, in, in regards to this question, Jacob asked to why preach if people are already foreordained to salvation or damnation. Notice uh, we might play quote, uh, quote number five there, Jacob, in which she says we're not trying to get homosexuals to repent. So if, if God wants homosexuals, then when you're out on the street corners, you're not trying to get them to print then because God wanted oh, them. Oh, absolutely not. All right, so no effort to get people to repent because God made these people this way. Well, but did you see the contradiction with the previous quote we played where she says, if they hear this and don't repent, then they will be without excuse. And here she says, no, we're not trying to get them to repent because her, her, her theology at its root says they don't even have the capacity to do so. So she, she's uh, sort of confused in her, in her own uh, explanation there. But uh, a lot of people, I, I, I didn't count how many emails we had from last week, but we had, 10 or so in which people said, you know, it doesn't make sense for her to be preaching. Why is she bothering to preach? And that just does seem like a common sense kind of question to ask her. She doesn't really have a good explanation, I don't believe. The number to call is 931-381-4567 or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We want to hear from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. Looks like maybe our, we're having a little streaming trouble there. All that right, call might have got us to you. All right, let's keep going. And we'll uh, try again here. Okay. Did lose okay. our connection. Just We'll just try it again here. We may have some problem with our... All uh, right, we're going again. Let's see if that comes back. Let us know your thoughts at 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We want to hear from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. We may have a streaming problem, Jacob. I think we've got a streaming problem still. Streaming connection to the media. Just hit the play button on your media player, and it should come back up. All right, we're going again here, I believe. So uh, let us know if you're out there. Let us know your thoughts at 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We want to hear from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. Sorry that we dropped off there for a minute. Uh, And, again, if if, if you ever have that problem, if you lose our audio stream to you you don't have to re-log on just hit the play button on your uh, media player and keep doing that until we come back to you because we usually can tell if we've got a problem we can get it fixed pretty quick so anyway just to sort of summarize on that question of uh why preach she didn't really have a good answer to that question other than to say we were told to do so people who hear our message will be without excuse in the day of judgment 
but we're really not trying to get them to repent anyway. Uh, so uh, I think if we're trying to understand them and understand where they're coming from, then we have to understand it to be the case that they just think it is their job to proclaim God's wrath and his judgment against the wicked American culture, uh, against the sin of homosexuality and those who've enabled the sin of homosexuality. It's just their job to proclaim God's wrath, and that's what they're doing. All right. Let us know. 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. If you believe in the doctrine of Calvinism, we especially would like to talk to you, and we just want to have a discussion to find out what the Bible actually teaches, and so you can help us to understand why you believe what you believe. Let us know at 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Again, we think this is just logical, a uh, logical conclusion of what the Calvinist doctrine teaches. We believe the Ropers are doing, or the Phelpses are doing just that in, uh, in their behavior in the Westboro Baptist Church. Um, Jacob, you know, we asked her last week about Paul's activities in Corinth. Now, Corinth was a city of the Roman Empire, a very immoral and wicked city in itself. And it, in it was the predominant sin of homosexuality. We know that's the case because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous... Sh- shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Paul was preaching to homosexuals in Corinth and converted some of them. We don't know how many he converted, but he converted some. Now, we just played the clip where she said they're not trying to get homosexuals to repent. And we asked her what was the difference between what she was doing and why, why she didn't follow Paul's example. And she answers that clip seven, Jacob. Be clear about a few things. We are not Paul. His ministry is not our ministry. Clearly, we are not establishing the church. Clearly, the Lord Jesus Christ said you can, you can discern the signs of the times. Okay. So there we have it. Uh, she says that uh, they're teaching something different than the Apostle Paul, or they're doing something different than the Apostle Paul. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think that was sort of a cop-out answer on her part. Obviously, none of us are the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul told us that we were to do as he did. In Philippians, uh, he said in chapter 4, verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do... And the God of peace shall be with you. And so Paul said, do as I do. And so she's not, but I think we should. And so her answer there was, uh, uh, I think, really came up short. All right. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you can participate in the program tonight. We want to hear your thoughts as we talk about the the Phelps' out in Topeka, Kansas, with the Westboro Baptist Church. Should we be going around to funerals of soldiers and say that God hates America and that uh, God hates homosexuals and there's nothing you can do about it, you're going to go to hell, so just get ready for the trip. Is that what we should say, or should we tell people that God loves them, that God wants them to be saved, and that if they will be obedient to God, they can go to heaven when they die? Should we do that, or should we do what the, the, rope, the Phelpses are doing out in Topeka, Kansas? Jacob, on this question of repentance, play that clip number five for us one more time. So if if God wants homosexuals, then when you're out on the street corners, you're not trying to get them to print then because God wanted oh, them. Oh, absolutely not. 
So they're not trying to get homosexuals to repent, she said. Uh, Nick uh, from North Florida sent in an email last week, and he referenced Acts 17.30, that times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. He says God commands all to repent. Second Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. But his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So her view that they're not trying to get people to repent doesn't jive with the Scripture that says God wants all men to repent. I think Nick is uh, exactly on the mark there. Um, We've got a question or a comment from Jim in Somerset, Kentucky. Uh, this was from last week. He said the problem she needs to deal with is the very same that all other Calvinists have. If we are unconditionally elected how can repentance even exist furthermore does first corinthians 6 not say that some of the members of the corinthian church were formerly homosexuals the god that that young lady serves is not found in the bible she needs our prayers and so he sees that same inconsistency that we do jacob we got some more along that line but i think it's time for a break let's take a break and why don't you take this time to send us your emails with your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com or jump on the phone We can take your call when we get back from the break. Call 931-381-4567. There's more virtual Bible study when we get back from this break. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. I'm Troy Smith, and now I'm 13 years old. I'm Mike Smith. I'm Troy's dad, and we love to listen to the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Thank you for joining us as we talk about the Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas, and our interview with Shirley Phelps Roper on the program last week. They are Calvinists out there in Kansas at the Westboro Baptist Church. And they're doing things, we believe, that Calvinists should do, and they believe things that Calvinists should believe if they're going to be logical with their belief. And that is that God wanted people to be homosexuals. He created them that way, and they're going to go to hell, and there's nothing they can do about it because God wanted homosexuals in the world, and therefore uh, God made these people, these individuals, to be homosexuals before they were even born. God had determined that they were going to be homosexuals and they were going to go to hell. What do you think about that doctrine? Give us a call at 931-381-4567 or call us or email us at questions at collegeview.com. We have another email left over from last week from Tanya. And Tanya wrote, have you discussed this passage, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11, that some of the saved in Corinth were once effeminate and homosexuals? We are all sinners. All can choose to obey God, she says, and I think that's true, and that was the way we were using that passage. Thank you, Tanya. Got an email from Tricia D. in Kannapolis, North Carolina, 
who used the same passage. I think it came to a lot of people's mind, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. She says that people were made that way. How could she explain this verse, which says, such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified? Good question, Tricia. We've got a uh, comment from Steve in Knoxville, Tennessee. He says, uh, one must wonder what she would call upon America to do towards repentance. Does America uh, need to put to death the homosexuals, put them in jail, or do something else? In her estimation, God is bringing, beginning to bring judgment towards America because of homosexuality. Would she feel that the heresy of denominationalism would be or could be reason enough for his wrath? In her estimation, holding fast to Calvinism rather than Scripture, God is indeed a respecter of persons, despite what Peter concluded in Acts chapter 10, verse 31. Acts 10, 31, when Peter went to the house of Cornelius, his observation there was uh, that of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So I think Steve's made a good observation there as well. I think a lot of people, Jacob, were seeing uh, that that problem of of, of her, her position not harmonizing with that passage there in 1 Corinthians 6. Um, Daniel in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, wrote, I noticed some, something strange in Mrs. Phelps Roper's statement about America and Rome. She says that America is showing the signs of being in the, quote, last of the last days. You argued rightly that the Romans had an equal, if not worse, societal status. If what you say is true, wouldn't that mean that she was incorrect about America showing these signs? Wouldn't God have visited the last of the last days judgment on Rome first when they did these things? Uh, I think that um, she would probably say God maybe did visit this judgment on Rome. Rome fell in she very well, might likely, very well might likely say that that was God's judgment against them for tolerating or harboring homosexuals. And America may fall. And if we continue to be immoral, we likely will fall. But it's not because God made us wicked. We have chosen to be wicked. Yeah. And, uh, and that's well, we know result. that we know that God rules in the affairs of nations, and God has brought down great nations. You know, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The proverb says so. I, I mean, in our preaching, we often say, you know, this this country cannot prosper indefinitely if they're going to be a, a, a country that ignores God's righteousness. So to that extent, we don't disagree. What we're disagreeing with is her approach and her her doctrine that leads her to her approach, which is Calvinism. The number to call is 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeu.com. Did you have picked out clip number eight? Um that's one that I'd like to like to look at. Uh, let's play that one. And notice all the things that she talks about here. She's talking about the sinfulness of, of homosexuality. She talks about uh, uh, even children being molested. But now let's connect this with what she believes about uh, God's sovereignty and, uh, and and God. He, we have to believe then, if Calvinism is correct, the doctrine of Calvinism, Calvinism is correct, that God wanted all these terrible things that she's going to list. Listen to this. You said that you're not trying to get homosexuals to repent. Do you believe that salvation is available to the homosexual through Christ Jesus? And I just told you the reason that they will not repent is because God has given them up. Mm-hmm. Now, there. let me finish. Okay. With respect to Paul saying, and such were some of you, as he described the whole litany of sins, he did not say all of you were engaged in all of these actions. We don't have all those answers. But what I do know from practical experience, 
living in America and looking at people in the face and hearing their words is that there are some people who are not hardcore gay pride marching perverts. They are people who, because they were left to themselves, you understand, a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. Like, for instance, the little guy who was kidnapped and raped by that pervert in Missouri. He did not engage in conduct as a voluntary act. It was a thing that was thrust upon him, and by the same token, the phone calls that we've received from, like, a woman saying, I was in the Army, and there was a lesbian sergeant, and she insisted and pushed, and I'm so ashamed. You understand? She engaged in the conduct on a, like, four- or five-time basis. She's not a hardcore, gay pride-marching pervert. Now, when you say such were some of you, somewhere in there, that conduct would fall. But I know this about those people. If they're servants of God, they're not going to be sitting around talking about what they've been doing in their sinful hour. They're going to be so ashamed of their conduct that no one will ever know about those things except... All right, so there we go. She talks about the child who was molested, Dad, even a soldier who was basically raped. Now, if I'm going to hold to the doctrine that she holds to of Calvinism, of unconditional election, and that uh, God is sovereign and God has put all this sin in the world, I have to believe that God wanted me to be raped if I've been raped. If I've been molested, I've got to believe God wanted that, and God caused all that. Isn't that a terrible view of God? Yeah, I think so. And and uh, you, you've pointed out several times, Jacob, that it's a hateful God who would create and cause things in the sense that, that her doctrine requires. But I think that's exactly right. All right. Number calls, 931-381-4567, or questions at collegeview.com. We'd like to hear from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. While we're at that, uh, Jacob, let's play clips one and three, where she talks about God created and basically created people for this destruction. Would it be fair to say that you are happy when sinners die and go to hell? I am, I I rejoice at the judgment of God executed upon a rebellious nation. I don't know any other way to say that, hon. You... I want to go back to something you said just a little while ago. You said okay. that everything that happens in the streets is from God. Even Everything that happens everywhere. There isn't anything happening among the sons of men on the earth that didn't come directly from the hand of the Lord your God. That would include good and evil, right? Every bit of it. Okay, and that would include sin as well then, correct? Every bit of it. And so that, so the homosexual then is a homosexual because God wants him to be a homosexual. Exactly. He says they are, Romans 9, vessels of wrath. Fitted to destruction. All right, there you have it. God wants this sin that's in the world. Not only does God want it, Dad, He has created it. Came, it came from His hand, she said. Right, He created it. He formulated it. He thought it all up in His mind. You can think about the most wicked and sinful thing you can think about. You think about the most d- disgusting thought in your mind. The most wicked sin you can conjure. We understand that all sin is wicked in God's eyes. But you think about the most terrible thing you can think about and god did that god created that that's incredibly contradictory with what the bible said first john 1 verse 5 this then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all now how do you how do you make those two ideas line up you can't you can't you can't um Along the lines of this discussion we've been having about why would she bother to preach, Aaron in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, has sent an email. Aaron, we're glad you're listening tonight. 
He says, based on her comments last week, I believe I know why Ms. Phelps Rover preaches. First, she said that even for those unconditionally elected, the preaching of the gospel is still the mechanism that converts them. And she did, in fact, reference uh, or at least alluded to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, talking about the... Uh, the foolishness of preaching to, to convert uh, the sinner. First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so she did at least allude to that verse. I think you're right, Aaron, in observing that. So she believes the gospel, he goes on to say, So she believes that the gospel will convert those whom God intended for it to convert. Second, I believe that she would appeal to the watchman in Ezekiel 3 and 33, and she did, in fact, talk about that. Uh, going on, he says, to say that it is her duty to warn even those who will not listen. So I believe she would say that warning the unrepentant is essential to her salvation, even if it is not effective for the audience. And in a limited sense, that is correct. Warning is our job even if the warnings go unheeded. So even if her theology is wrong, it is not necessarily inconsistent. No, I think she's consistent. She follows through with her theology, but uh, as as he, I think but, but, Aaron is right. But even though, even in Ezekiel's day, God wanted the people to be warned because he wanted them to repent. Oh, clearly. But now if the Ropers or the Phelpses are right, God doesn't want them to repent, but he still wants them to be warned. Why warn them if there's no chance they could repent? I think that's where it's inconsistent, uh, because God wanted the people in the Old Testament to repent. That's why he sent the messenger. God, in the, the Westboro Baptist Church's mind, doesn't want these people to repent. He's already decided they're going to go to hell, but tell them they're going anyways. Warn them, I guess, of where they're going, not uh, warn them of the consequences they of think their actions. Their, but they think it's their job to warn them. One, one thing here that Aaron said, I believe that she, he says, I believe she would say that the warning, the unrepentant, is essential to her salvation, even if not effective for the audience. Well, if she believes in Calvinism, she doesn't have to do anything to ensure her salvation. She is a, She's unconditionally elected, and... She enjoys the perseverance of the saints, the fifth point in Calvinism, which is basically once saved, always saved, can't be lost, the elect can't be lost. So uh, she might say that, but her 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 theological construction suggests that she wouldn't have to do anything to ensure her own salvation. She's among the elect, and she will persevere until the end. Thank you for your email tonight, Aaron. Thanks for listening down in Louisiana. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you could participate in the program tonight. We'd like to hear your thoughts. As we talk about Calvinism, you know, Dad, we've talked about the fact that the uh, the Phelpses are very hateful in their approach, and it is a doctrine of hate, and that uh, it's very offensive to most people in our society. Uh, the way that they go about preaching the gospel, yet we believe it is a logical conclusion to the doctrine of Calvinism, that if you hold to the doctrine of Calvinism, you should take the approach that the, the, rope, the Phelpses are taking. I keep messing that up, but you have to take their approach because God really hates all these people. He wanted them to go to hell before they were born, and so you should just tell them that God hates them, and don't try and convert them because there's no chance of them going to heaven because God has already decided that they're going to hell. We got an email here, Jacob, from Eddie, and he's asking a question. He says, I'm curious who this lady is that you guys are talking about. If somebody joined our program late, especially if someone didn't get a chance to listen to last week's program, we're talking about Shirley Phelps Roper. She's the spokesperson for the Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas. Now, that's a small Baptist church in Topeka, Kansas, but this woman is fairly well known, and she's been on a number of national news programs like Hannity and Combs and Fox News and some other national programs. The reason why she's getting this notoriety is because that group is the one that you probably have seen 
in the news, they go around and they do protests and demonstrations at the funerals of soldiers who've been killed in Iraq and, and Afghanistan. And their point is the, these dead soldiers are evidence of the fact that God hates America and God is sending his judgment on America. So that's who we're talking about, Eddie. I'm, we probably should have mentioned that a time or two throughout the program. The reason why we uh, are commenting about her is she was on our program last week. We were able to interview her. And we're t- tonight examining her basic understandings of God and his will, and they are bound up in the in the notions of Calvinism. And we're talking about especially the idea that God has predestined everyone to salvation, and Jesus really only died for those who were chosen for salvation. Those are the views of Calvinists. Those are the views of Shirley Phelps Roper. And we're kind of examining those in light of the scriptures tonight. And, Eddie, uh, thank you for listening. If you want to go back and listen to the program from last week, check out our archives on collegeview.com or the virtualbiblestudy.com, and you can listen to any of our past programs. But we're glad that you joined us on the program tonight. Let us know your thoughts. Give us a call at 931-381-4567 or, or email us at questions at collegeview.com. We're going to take one last break, and then we'll take it to the top of the hour. Plenty of time to take your comments. Jump in now. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight, and we hope you're benefiting from our discussion We believe that the doctrine of Calvinism is wrong, not founded upon the scriptures, and we're showing some of the inconsistencies and the contradictions that the doctrine of Calvinism forces with the scriptures. We'd like to know your thoughts at 931-381-4567 or email questions at collegeview.com. Dave, we've tried to pick up as many emails from last week's program as we can. Uh, and I've got one more here, and this is from, this is also from Aaron in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He sent this one last week, and he says, uh, it's worth mentioning a couple of passages from Romans 9 that Mrs. Phelps Roper used. She used Romans 9.13 to say that God loved the man Jacob and hated the man Esau before they were born. Yet Paul is quoting from Malachi 1, where it is clear that the reference is to the nations, not to the men, and that it refers to the status of Israel rather than Edom as God's chosen people. And that status does not mean that all of the Israelites are saved or that all the Edomites were condemned. And I think Aaron is exactly right. Let me read a part of that from Romans chapter 9. Um, in Romans chapter 9, verse 11 
It's, uh, or verse 10. Not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Um, now, I think Aaron is exactly right. First of all, it was not said. She said it was said while they were still in the womb. Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. That was not said. What was said while the, while the children were still in the womb was the elder shall serve the younger. It was written in Malachi chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, concerning the nations that came of Jacob and Esau. I have loved Jacob Esau have I hated. That refers to Israel and the Edomites and talked about God's choosing of Israel as his people to accomplish his purposes, especially in regards to bringing the Messiah into the world. And so I do think that she misused that. Then Aaron goes on. He says, talking about vessels made for glory or destruction, verses 20 through 23 would be a long discussion, but I'll simply note that a few verses later in Verses 25 and 26, Paul talks about some whose status changed from not God's people to being God's people, clearly suggesting that the vessels did not have their status set forth from birth. Well, she referenced those verses, too. She said, uh, uh, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? This is Romans 9, verse 20. Shall the thing formed say that the thing that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel into honor and another into dishonor? What, uh, excuse me, what if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Um, and so here he talks about the potter and the clay, and the potter has power over the clay. But she was using that to say God formed them either to be vessels of honor or vessels of destruction. But as Aaron points out a couple verses later, he says, uh, he quotes Hosea. Hosea chapter 2, verse 23, where it says, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in that day uh, where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there they shall be called the children of the living God. So, you know, again, this this passage is talking about God's purpose and bringing his purpose to fruition through the nation of Israel, but it's not talking about specific people. And to apply this passage to suggest the the predestination or the foreordination of specific individuals just simply isn't true. You know, in fact, that totally takes uh, Romans chapter 9 out of context and destroys the meaning of the passage. What the passage is saying is exactly the opposite of predestination, and that is the Israelites thought that because they were born Israelites that they were in a right relationship with God. And what Paul is telling them there is exactly the opposite of that. You're not born being in a right relationship with God. God can take you out of a right relationship with him if you're not living faithful. And uh, he was expressing that to the Israelites there that they needed to be faithful to God if they're going to be pleasing to him. They weren't born being pleasing to God like the Calvinist doctrine teaches, but instead they had to be faithful to God in order to be pleasing to him. Exactly right. Jay, we, we're getting close to the end of the program. We had a good program last week, and I think we, we just had to spend some time reviewing what Ms. Phelps Roper said on our program last week. Uh, but we, we maybe ought to end our program by just 
pointing out that the the idea of unconditional election or predestination for ordination, that some are destined to be saved and some are destined to be lost, and that's before they were born. These things were known in the mind of God, and that everything is... Everything that is and everything that happens is the direct uh, result of God's doing and nothing of our own. That's just simply a false notion. And, we, Jacob, maybe we ought to review some of the scriptures that say why. For instance, if those notions of predestination, foreordination, unconditional election are true, then it definitely makes God a respecter of persons. A couple of verses that some of our emailers referenced, Acts 10:34. Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Romans 2, verse 11, there is no respect of persons with God. God's a respecter of persons. If he saves some and doesn't even give others even a chance to be saved, he's definitely a respecter of persons. That's right. And it also makes God the person who's responsible for people being lost in hell. God is responsible for people being lost in hell when the scriptures teach us exactly the opposite of that. God doesn't want people to go to hell. The Phelpses out in Topeka, Kansas, and other Calvinists say that God does want people to go to hell. The Bible says exactly the opposite. In First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to unto the knowledge of the truth. God wants all men to be saved. The doctrine of Calvinism says he only wants a select few. Yeah, Second Peter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so unconditional election is wrong for that reason. It, it also is wrong because it destroys the idea of man's free will, Jacob, and that fact that we all have a choice. In Revelation 22, verse 17, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Whosoever will, all men are subject to salvation. Yeah, back in the Old Testament, in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, Joshua put the challenge to the Israelites this way, where he said, If it seem evil unto you, and to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua put the challenge to the Israelites to choose who they were going to serve. If the doctrine of Calvinism is correct and that God has already chosen who people will serve before they were even born, why would Joshua even put the challenge to the Israelites? Exactly right. Um, It also makes that idea of of, uh, unconditional election makes salvation unconditional. It's unconditional election. But the scriptures clearly identify conditions for salvation Matthew 7:21 says not everyone that saith to me lord lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven. Uh Philippians 2 verse 12 says wherefore my beloved as ye have always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. James 1 verse 22 and 23 says be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. So we've got to we've got to take action. And our obedience is necessary for our salvation. It is not unconditional. Yeah, and also the idea of of Calvinism says that Jesus only died for a certain select people. He didn't die for everyone, but the Word of God says he died for all. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. First John 2.2, 2, And he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus has died for the sins of the whole world. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead, and that he died for all, that they which should live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And finally, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, talking of God, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, that man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. We see that God has made the sacrifice of Christ available to all men, yet the doctrine of Calvinism demands that he was only sacrificed for a few. And, and finally, we would say that this whole theology that Ms. Ro- uh, Phelps Roper is teaching makes all the warnings of Scripture really unnecessary. Why would you warn when there's no reason to warn? What's the use of warning if those who are lost can't do anything about it anyway? Uh, and, and all the warnings of Scripture, even to those of us who are Christians, indicate that we can be lost and we need to take care. First Peter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The theory of predestination, the idea of unconditional election, of limited atonement, the the notions of Calvinism are simply false, cannot be true. Let's compare those verses with what Mrs. Phelps Roper said about predestination. Listen to this quote one more time. It, so the homosexual then is a homosexual because God wants him to be a homosexual. Exactly. All right. Doesn't line up, does it? Just it, totally it, contradictory. It absolutely does not. We've got a, one final email here, Jacob, just about out of time. We've got an email from uh, Brad in North Alabama. He says, Miss Phelps Roper argued that there are two kinds of homosexuals, a hardcore sexual pervert and a casual practitioner or a victim under duress. The former is, if I understood her correctly, completely incorrigible, having been given up to that life by God, while the latter could possibly repent because he or she had just been left to himself. And he references a criminal. I think many of us recognize the name Jeffrey Dahmer, who was surely a hardcore pervert and a predator. Uh, yet he mentioned some reports that possibly he was converted before he was before his death. And then uh, he, uh, Brad says, uh, also, what is the difference between a hardcore homosexual and some other hardcore sinner? Could we argue that Paul was a hardcore persecutor, but he repented? Can we argue that Manasseh was a hardcore idolater, yet he repented in Second Chronicles 33, 11 through 13? Um, so it's, uh, uh, his observations are true. I mean, I think she's making some subjective judgments that she can't really justify there about who's hardcore and who's not. All right. Well, again, Dad, we want to reiterate that we appreciate, uh, Mrs. Phelps Roper for coming on the program last week. We just happened to disagree. With her view of God, really, what, when it gets down to it, is that uh, she has a perverted view of God, and there's no way around that. We've shown how the view of Calvinism really does pervert the view of God and makes God a wicked, evil, hateful being. That's not what the Bible tells us about God. That's right. So uh, I think our review of her comments was necessary because we really didn't get a chance to cover all that last week. Uh, and so uh, we, we wanted to make sure we covered those bases and made sure we understand what the Scripture teaches in regards to those things. We appreciate you listening to the program tonight. If you have any questions about the things that we've said, let us know. Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, or call us at 931-381-4567. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week. For another edition of the Virtual Bible Study, tell a friend, tell them to join us next week as well. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. 
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.